truck it i'm dooner here with michael vincent the dude and hey what a celebratory day it is it's happy dwell feed day to all you shippers out there the uh u.s government and uh, the socal yeah. ports are doing their 90-day spirit of giving michael vincent <laughs> where uh, you will get charged a hundred dollars a day for all container that's there for over nine days there's twenty six thousand containers right now that qualify for that it's about 2.6 million dollars for day one Hey, it's it's a start to help support these carriers. They've really been struggling this year, you know, over the last two two years. Sure. Really, they've been struggling. So, hey, it's a good thing. Good Monday afternoon, man. Yeah. Besides Happy Dwellfy, which I didn't even know it was, man. What's on your What's on your mind today, man? I feel like Cam Newton. I'm back. Oh, I'm back. He's back with the Panthers. He got a. He was so excited. He got a 15 yard penalty. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's. Uh, <laughs> So that gives his total point, his total yardage for the day to seven yards. It doesn't matter. He got two it touchdowns. does. He got two touchdowns. Let's I, celebrate I a, You're a right, small man. victory there. Right. Well, it wasn't we doing though. Speaking of small victories, we're going to come up with some solutions for the shipping crisis today. Hopefully, we're going to be talking about foldable shipping containers. Why don't Why don't we just fold all of these things? We'll yeah. find out from uh, Staxon about their smart box intermodal containers. Could cool. those help out at the port? We got uh, technology-driven logistics and last mile delivery provider Bolt Logistics. They're on the show. They just had their Series B $92 million financing round led by Ikea. So a lot of excitement going on over there. Uh, Glenn Spangenberg, he's the Chief Commercial Officer at Locomation, is going to talk about how his driver-assisted AI can help out with the shipping crisis. Yeah. You're going to show off your picks because they finally showed up for they did. Ocean 7 Music. And um, Right after we tip the band, Tim Ruger from Central States Manufacturing is going to also talk about giving back and what they're doing with REITs across America. So, Very Redwood, cool. a leading logistics platform company, has provided solutions for moving and managing freight for more than 20 years. The company's diverse portfolio includes digital freight brokerage, flexible freight management, and logistics consulting, all wrapped into a revolutionary logistics and technology delivery model, logistics platform as a service. That's their l Pass. Redwood lives at the intersection of logistics and technology, connecting its customers with the technology, talent, and expertise they need to win. Contact Redwood at Tell em, Dude. Hey, go to redwoodlogistics.com immediately after this show. Let's take a look at Let's what REITs Across America does. Roll the tape. Reads Across America is an organization that is like no other. It almost touches every person in the United States at some level. The mission is to remember, honor, and teach. What we give our kids that we've learned from the past is what's going to help them form the future. It's important to teach not just the kids, but everybody. We need to share that freedom isn't free. Reads Across America started when my husband, who was in the reef business, had too many reads. We had about a truckload left over that year, which is about 5,000. I mean, we was trying to think of what we could do with them that would do maybe some good to some people. Thought about Arlington National Cemetery. He's very patriotic. He just wanted to say thank you. Out of respect for what we have in this country. So it became a family tradition. And it just struck a chord, I guess. It went around the world. I remember when I started, there's only a few people. And look, look at the turnout. It's the heart of the volunteer that makes our mission grow. And I like to say we have a heartbeat in every community. It grows because of the patriotism that is still alive and well all over the country. 
Wow. Excellent stuff. Hey, joining us now, Tim Ruger, COO at Central States Manufacturing. Very cool program they have over there at REITs Across America. Thanks for joining us on the show today, Tim. Uh, Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, introduce yourself to us, uh, sir, on this fine Monday. I guess it's afternoon now. This fine, uh, yeah, I guess it is afternoon. Uh, it's, it's, uh, so I'm, I'm Tim Ruger. Uh, I'm in charge of uh, our operations and our logistics here for Central States Manufacturing. And, uh, you know, this uh, this idea was brought to us uh, by um, one of our logistics uh, supervisors, I know, Jose, who had uh, this really great idea. We have a lot of um, you know, veterans that are within our company today. And, you know, we really wanted to have a way to, to give back and to, uh, to honor them and to see what we could do. And uh, we were able actually to, to take part in 71 cemeteries across the country in 15 different states. We were able to get uh, to get our employees out and, and help lay wreaths and uh, and just kind of give back a little bit, which is really kind of cool. It, it really is, Tim, and, and the culture that you guys bring there, right? Uh, so it's interesting that these have done 700,000 what 700,000 wreaths, right, in over 300 locations around the around the world. Now, in that introductory, it was just uh, they just talk, spoke about Arlington, but as you said, it's 70 or 71 locations. I think you said in 15 different states, right? So you can get involved with this all over the place and sponsor cemeteries, correct? That's that's absolutely correct. And, you know, we've got locations that are set out in, uh, you know, 10 different states and 11 locations that are manufacturing. And and so we've tried to take part in all of them uh, as much as we can. And, you know, this is the first year that we really got uh, we went all in and, and tried to say how much we can we can help. And we hope to grow even more next year and, and use our uh, our trucks to actually deliver some of the reeds. Uh, to some of the cemeteries next year during this process, uh, I think will be a great addition to what we've been doing. Talk to about talk, talk to talk to us a little bit about your employee owners, right? Your employee uh, truck owners who mm. are going to be participating in this and have the opportunity to participate in this. Yeah, so uh, you know, Central States is a little unique in that uh, we're a hundred percent employee-owned company, which means everybody that from the day one when you start with this company, you have a part of uh, part ownership, and uh, and that grows every single year. Uh, you know, as you take part in the company, which is uh, which is very cool. We provide stock to everybody at the end of the year. And uh, and that means we get to share everything that goes on in the company from uh, how our financials are doing. They get to have feedback into what we're doing from a, uh, the types of trucks, the type of equipment we're using to uh, to make sure that they're really uh, they're more involved in that. So it's, it's really it's a pretty neat progress uh, that we are able to do. And it's all about time with the company. And uh, being able to grow your financial freedom long term, which is really one of our main missions for our people, is to make sure we're taking care of their well-being and their financial freedom long term uh, for themselves and their family. Yeah, Tim, it, it really sounds like in reading through the website, et cetera, that your your culture that you've built there is a really, really good bu- culture and, and one that I'm, uh, I say, congratulations to and wish everybody had more of that type of culture of giving and, and inclusion of the employees. One of your goals next year is not only just to to provide money to reads, but it's actually getting employees to utilize time to drive, right? Can you talk about that, your 2022 goals for reads across America? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we've got 12, 1300 employees and we currently have a fleet of about 150 trucks. And uh, we want to try to utilize that fleet to actually, you know, pick up reads and deliver them to the cemeteries. You saw in that video where they were having them brought and people were able to grab them and deliver them to the actual graves. We'd like to be able to help actually bring those reads you know, to the locations uh, with our trucks 
and be able to then help provide that uh, that service for them, uh, you know, as part of it. Because we really strongly believe in our culture that it's not just about writing checks. It's not bad to write checks. People need the money sometimes, but it's about getting out there and serving with your hands and uh, and taking part and and really making sure that uh, that we're growing our company that way. And there's a special feeling, and it creates a really cool culture when people start to you know understand what it means to be out there and really give back and see the impact that you're having on others. Wow. So I mean, now you guys deal in that metals market too, right? Mm. What what has that been like right now? From uh, for your drivers, been very busy. Has it been a strange time in uh, in metals? Well, it's 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 been a strange time. So we do we uh, we manufacture and sell metal buildings and metal building components. And uh, you know, the last eighteen months has been a roller coaster, right? From uh, the start of this thing, thinking things are going to slow down, to actually having uh, you know our, our largest uh, sales that we've ever had as a company. Over the last 18 months, we've just grown tremendously, and we went into having people issues of trying to hire people and get people in place to actually having steel supply issues that were just starting to get through. There wasn't enough steel in the country, and uh, trying to go to different places to import it. We tried to go with mostly steel from the U.S., uh, almost all domestic steel this, uh, this last year. We actually had to increase our percentage of imports, uh, not because we wanted to. It was the only way to get steel to help serve our customers. Um, so yeah, it's been a, a crazy time to say the least, uh, for the last little bit. So Tim, you, you mentioned all these struggles and different things they had to change in order to make, uh, fill, fulfill those demands. Are there certain changes and strategies that came about that you'll hold on to that have, uh, you actually think will be more efficient than, than the way things ran in the past? You know, I think there are a few things that, uh, that we've come across, uh, from one, uh, you know, finding some different suppliers, uh, not putting so much maybe and one or two people that uh, that really were probably at the verge of what they were capable of doing. And when we grew, it really stretched that system. It also means uh, we want to try to put uh, more product closer to where it needs to be. And uh, we'll continue to, uh, to strengthen our, our domestic uh, partnerships to be able to allow more steel uh, on a normal basis and to, to limit what's going to be coming through. I mean, at some point, we'll get this whole port situation figured out. But uh, at this point, uh, it really makes much more sense to be domestic uh, to be able to supply our customers. Tim, thank you so much for your time today and for the work you're doing with REITs across America. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Thank you very much. You guys have a great day. You too, Tim. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, so big news last week was announced on FreightWaves.com. Yeah. $92 million in Series B financing wow. led by IKEA for this company. Mark Ang is Series the co-founder in C. EO over at Bolt Logistics. First of all, congratulations, sir, on uh, on that nice Series B raise. I love that. Thank, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Now, uh, Canada, right? How are things over in the, the Great White North? I've been looking at some <laughs> of your numbers here, and I think you had like 200 employees at the beginning of the year. Now you're going to leave with over 1,000 this year. Some growth going on there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's been chilly from a weather perspective, but yeah, growth has been great. Uh, we're super fortunate, I think. Obviously, as you guys know firsthand, uh, there's been a ton of activity in this space and a huge need for, I think, a more forward-thinking logistics uh, space. So we're fortunate to be in the epicenter of that, and it's been it's been really picking up nicely. So, Amar, let's talk about this forward-thinking. Let's talk about the past in this history. How did you get to this $92 million raise? Where did this start? Were you really looking for a place to store some old furniture and you couldn't find one? Yeah, so what we actually was? started off as a consumer storage company, which gotcha. is um, – you know, probably a tale that will become more of a myth and, and a legend as we yeah. get further and further away from it. We've now fully shut off that side of the business. Um, as of about two years ago, two and a half years ago, we started developing software and services for uh, businesses dedicated to doing fulfillment and last mile logistics with us. Um, it was because our consumer clients were hacking the service to do it anyway. And then as we entered the pandemic, we just decided to double down on it. And now we've 
we fully sunset the consumer storage side and are now fully doing e-commerce fulfillment and last mile logistics. Now, so the company is nearly five years old now. When you were, you were coming up with your why for starting this company, you mentioned that pivot there. But a lot of people would say, and maybe you have some advisors saying, well, there's already integrators out there like you know, Postal Service, FedEx, uh, USPS, there's Amazon, there's XBO for White Glove. Where do you fit in? What was your thinking at the time and how has that evolved? Well, when you look at other, like XPO is a great example. When you look at firms that have built their business, I mean, they're a good example because uh, they'd use a ton of independent contractors and subcontractors in their model. And not to say that that's, that's wrong. Um, we just believe in doing it a little bit differently where we fully benefit and employ our entire workforce. So folks that start with us on day one get like full health benefits um, and are everyone down from like my level to our associates and field operations staff are all going to be on payroll as, as dedicated team members. So our merchants and their shoppers get a more consistent experience because we are owning the full end-to-end operation. Yeah, so Mark, when I was going through uh, and looking at the website, uh, what you guys fulfilled, there was a lot of talk there about the e-commerce and fulfillment there in Canada and some of the hurdles that U.S.-based companies have trying to get there to make this happen and how the benefits and the knowledge of the market there and having it based there was there. It sounds like it's helping more the smaller type of businesses. Is that where the growth really came from and where the focus was? And is that changing with this new investment? It's actually funny. So we started off there because it's important to work with like like-minded and entrepreneurial businesses as you're building a new division. And so we certainly had a, a, like a bi-directional education with some of our early merchants. Um, now we work with more mid-market and enterprise customers. So um, you can think of uh, like you know retailers across the country, multinationals, whether it's uh, spin bike companies, home fitness equipment, home furniture, uh, digitative brands, box mattresses. Those types of businesses, they're coming to us for a national like coast-to-coast solution where we can store, pick, pack, and also do the last mile. So definitely helping uh, U.S. businesses, helping native Canadian businesses. And as we move through to the U.S., we will have a very similar service offering. In fact, it'll be a carbon copy of what we do here in Canada across multiple cities. So we expect and hope to see similar, um, similar gains as we move into that market. Now, you're looking, you have very ambitious goals to be 100% zero emission or, or even carbon negative by 2023. And I was looking through what FedEx had to say, I mean, what uh, IKEA had to say when they when they went through this investment. They said one of the reasons was is you helped them reach their goals of 100% zero emission home delivery by 2025. So very smart focus back then. Was it pretty clear and pretty obvious that this is what resellers were going to need and be looking for and the final mile would be the first place they'd be attacking for when they want to put out to the market that they're zero emission? So, I mean, when you think about where the costs lie, I mean, like last mile covers about 55% of a business's logistics costs. So it's natural that that's probably where the highest impact is because you get less consolidation. It's it's more spread out, even though you can still, you know, use retina algorithms to drive density and whatnot. So, for us, natural place to focus since that's what we own and control. Um, but we were working on this about 20, 22 months ago. We started working with OEMs that were early stage to develop specs and, and forecasts and uh, systems that can actually help us uh, electrify our last mile. And so when we approached a company like Ikea and said, hey, this is something that we're looking to do, it married very well. Um, but we were working on it independently just because we felt like that was the, the way forward. And now we're just trying to find like-minded merchants and businesses that we can align with to help fuel that expansion to electric vehicles um, and and help us pave the way there. It's working well. I I see more merchants uh, at least becoming part of the conversation here because the consumer and the shopper is caring more about this. And so 
we just hope to be an off-the-shelf sustainable logistics solution that people can choose from. Yeah, so Mark, you know, when we talk about the, the e-commerce and over the past two years, some of the difficulties of white glove type of, of deliveries, right? Especially early on, customers getting comfortable with it and companies adjusting to what's going on. One of the big things that was there is packaging. And as we talk about sustainability and the earth and that type of stuff, packaging is a big deal as well. Can you talk about that, the importance of that packaging for not only the customer experience, uh, but also sustainability and production efficiency? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, because we're fully integrated, so our warehouses are fully operated and controlled by ourselves. Our last mile is fully controlled and operated by ourselves. There are employees. We can manage and maintain how we go about executing on our white glove offering. So when we're on site, 100% of that dunnage comes back in that truck with our team. And then we sort it based on um, plastics, uh, consumables, and reusables. So um, we can put something into like a recycling flow where that'll go to one of our providers that will then make new corrugate for us off of that product. And then we'll use that those same boxes in our e-commerce fulfillment division after it's been recycled and put through a remanufacturing process. So we are doing quite a bit that allows it to be circular, but it's because we own the process. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more difficult when you've got a network or a marketplace of suppliers that are giving you access to trucks and vehicles because to coordinate sort of end of life protocols with that group is a lot more challenging. Most people have thought about the direct logistics. Most people don't think about the reverse logistics or how you handle recycling or, or, or refuse that's produced off of the operation, but it always comes back to the same hub for us. So we can, we can control that. Now, Mark, everyone hates returns and reverse logistics. They're, you know, you're, you don't make money during them. They take yeah. up space, they cost money. Um, and with record e-com sales, there's got to be record e-com returns as well. Do we have a big looming return problem? Is, is your team staying on top of it? What is the uh, reverse logistics situation like right now? We don't talk about that enough. Yeah, I think you naturally see, um, you know, obviously as, as online shopping becomes more prevalent, you're not touching and feeling the product before you buy it. So returns will always be a, a big part of it. You, you see, like there's a company locally called Return Bear. They do a lot of like buy anything, return anything, anywhere, anytime. Um, those are helpful for like small product. I think large, when you think of large product, it's more difficult to haul a couch back to like some drop-off point. Uh, so we handle like an integrated direct and reverse logistics process. And the nice thing is when that box uh, product comes back to us, open boxed, we can do a couple things. We can have it reboxed. We can bring it to a donation facility or a recycling facility or ship it back to you to be handled and repackaged before it goes out if there's some special care required. Um, so we provide that to all of our merchants on day one. It's, it's something that we offer and have been offered for some time. When you think about our consumer storage division, we got really good at going into people's homes, handling big and bulky product that wasn't packaged, bringing it to storage, and then bringing it back. So um, this, is, uh, this is something that's like embedded in our rhythms and something that we do well. So before we let you go, you so you raised that big round. What's the next step? I, I did notice that you were looking into more square footage, right? Looking for space in Canada and Los Angeles and Houston. Is that the next goal, just to have more space to offer your customers? Yeah, you, you got it. We, we, can't, um, we can't service and sell where we are not. So we want to be in more places faster. We've got two cities on the hit list for Q1, but we've got four other cities that are uh, on deck for Q2 and Q3. So um, Next year is going to be all about expansion for us and maintaining our rhythm so that they scale well. Um, but that's what we've got our sights set on. Well, Mark, thank you very much. Congratulations to yeah. you and the team. Seems like things are going Thanks good over there in Canada for both. Appreciate it. Yeah. Right on. All right, man. Bye. Let's talk to uh, let's talk to Glenn Spangenberg. He's the chief commercial let's officer do that. over at Locomation. We'll find out how his driver-assisted trucks are potentially could help with the supply chain crisis. Now, Glenn, right I on. saw a picture on LinkedIn. You were just at 
a uh, a biker truck rally about a couple weeks ago, and it made me want to ask you: uh, Are you also a biker? I am a trucker, biker through and through. We love it, man. All right, all right, man. It. What kind of horse do you ride when you're not riding in your eighteen wheeler? Yeah, what's known as a bagger. It's a full dress uh, Harley Davidson. Nice, nice. Uh, I do longer hauls, but I also have a, a nice little fat boy, a 2000 that I customized back in my Qualcomm days, and I call it my bar bike. So those are the two bikes that I have. <laughs> His bar bike, I love it. I dig it, I dig it. Well, Glenn, you have, you have experience behind the wheel of not just a motorcycle, behind the wheel of a truck. Let's talk a little bit about how driver-assisted trucks could help with this thing we keep yeah. talking about, which is the supply chain crisis and something that just seems to be getting worse. Um, set the table for us. What are some ways that a driver-assisted truck could actually help with this terrible situation? Yeah, thank you very much for the introduction to the topic uh, we know that the supply chain problem has a tremendous amount of complexities. Uh, for us at Locomation, our focus is on utilization. So that's both of the tractor uh, and the driver. Right now in the U.S. truckload marketplace, it's estimated that the utilization rate of the equipment is 30 percent. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, that in terms of supply chain, that's a whole lot of slop that you've got to put out there in terms of underutilized assets uh, that aren't contributing to the solution. Uh, so we're starting with that as our first and core premise. Yeah. So, I mean, but the idea is, is that now you can run these chains, you know, two drivers together, right? They're just blowing right through any, any type of brakes is eventually through it. And that improves, I, I don't know if it's a hundred percent increase on those two efficiencies, maybe 50, 60, whatever it happens to be. You tell me what's the increase in efficiency doing that. Yeah, you bet. So the utilization rate of the driver uh, increases to about 30%. Uh, the utilization of the tractor itself, I'm sorry, the driver utilization in increases by uh, 250%. The utilization of the assets themselves increase uh, another 30%. So it doubles up from the rate it is today on average to yeah. about 60% in total utilization. So that's, again, injecting quite a bit of new capacity into the marketplace that's ready to haul loads. Glenn, how does uh, so how does automation help with this one? And, and maybe... Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But the number one complaint that most drivers have is they, you know, they, they get through the traffic, they get through everything, they get through the shipper's dock, and then they're stuck there for two to 12 hours. Um, wouldn't an autonomous vehicle also be stuck for that two to 12 hours? Or will this extra amount of data maybe help with, uh, you know, in enforcement? I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's not really enforcement. It's really kind of what Locomation is focused on right now. And that is planning your freight network for autonomy. When you begin to look at your freight network through an autonomous relay network lens, and we do these analysis, so we not only understand what the opportunity is, but we can quantify how do we actually go uh, and get that. You're talking about a prescription for uh, these assets at both the, the local and the line hall, but we're optimizing for the line hall. So you can actually solve a lot of challenges by dealing with some of that detention issue in your local operation, but in the line hall, really looking for full utilization. And that's roughly 500 miles uh, when you consider average transit times and, you know, and, and baking into the, to the calculation of the prescription uh, congestion uh, and last minute things that happen out on the roadway. Uh, if you can start to prescribe a schedule per day where you're really maximizing both sets of use of uh, assets, local and line haul, you're going to be able to get more than what the average is today, which is about seven hours a day of drive time. We think you're going to get more uh, like 11 hours. But through that prescription, 
it takes into account using things like from four kites, the data about uh, detention at a particular location, not broadly for that shipper, but specifically for that location, time of day uh, and day of uh, uh, time of day and day of week. And if you take into those uh, uh, calculations, the, the effect of that on a Wednesday afternoon versus a Thursday morning, you can actually plan for the assets to be used uh, much better than they are today. When it comes time for actual dwell time, having a trailer ready for an autonomous truck is really all about that uh, subscription because you can't just say to the truck, show up and pick up and do all of that. You actually have people in place that can they know what to do, when, where, why, how, and with whom in order to ensure that that trailer connects to that autonomous vehicle uh, and gets on the road uh, properly. So, uh, Glenn, back in the early days, way back in the early days, like two years ago, <laughs> I don't know if you remember these videos where they showed like the, the two drivers going in the one, you got the lead vehicle and you got the one behind, but they would show one drop off, right? Yeah. And maybe another one come in and they have an open signal like, hey, I'm ready, you can you can grab me or whatever. Is that still the thinking moving forward? There are these trains, uh, although they're not linked, right? They're, they're wirelessly right. linked, I suppose. Linked. Wirelessly. Yeah, could be more than two or three and drop on, j- jump in and, and that type of stuff as you're going down the road? Yeah. Now there's infrastructure concerns that need to be taken into account when you talk about how many of these yeah. uh, you put into a convoy because it is increasing the density, the wear and the tear on both bridges and uh, and roadways. So you have to take that into account. But to get to really your point, it, it, it's about this marketplace where and this is where the vision uh, is going, this marketplace where a driver says, hey, I have one of these autonomous followers and I can also I'm a five star leader. Uh, of a convoy. And so I'm going to be available on this date in the future at this particular location. And the whole goal is, is that each one of these drivers, now we talk about being a human guided autonomy. So now you've got two drivers who can do the infield work, who now, according to what they've been prescribed uh, in their dispatch, now they know where to meet up on the interstate and the point at which the follower driver gets to let the hair down, go into autonomy mode, shift out of the seat and go off duty not driving while right. the first driver continues using their hours of service. The follower is off duty and the wheels are still turning. So it's still making the money and it's still raising the utilization of both the driver and the asset. Let's talk about that human aided autonomy because we've spoken to a few different yeah. autonomous truck companies and they all have different angles. But I have to say that locomation <laughs> probably has the most flesh human driver focus, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And the most realistic one about regulation. Some mm-hmm. of these other companies are like, no, no, Agreed. they're on the road. They'll be everywhere. They're on the road. They'll be everywhere. And <laughs> your company's taking a much more measured approach. Is that is that by design? By design, absolutely. By, by reducing the complexity of the problem that you have to solve for, and that is how do I get the truck to do what I've intended it to do in this operation. So if you have no bounds on it, meaning you've got a solo driverless truck, a truck with no driver that is navigating surface streets and you know interstates and very complex uh, situations, you, you have to plan for uh, studying those and putting a safety case together. And you never know if your safety case is complete. You never know if you got that one last scenario that actually is going to be the death of someone uh, in the future. By reducing the complexity of the problem to a supervised uh, convoy where you have a driver in the lead who's cognitively engaged in the process of supervising a, an autonomous convoy because they've been certified, trained, and all to do that. Uh, they're a more highly skilled driver. Uh, they're watching out for all of the outliers in the convoy. For example, if we have to take a detour and go off road in the dirt, uh, I, as the supervisor driver, can say, 
it'd be better for me to pull over and wait the two hours for them to make, you know, clear the roadway or whatever so we can stay on the interstate. They, they can actually be involved in the decision making uh, for a lot of what the machine will eventually learn to do. But today is supervised by that leader driver. Very interesting. I was wondering about the, the drivers in the training to be like a five-star platoon leader or whatever you want to call it. They're a train leader. You know, you don't want followers, you know, like, you know, they're, 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 they're rating them afterwards. Like, don't follow uh, Glenn Spangenberg. You don't know where the hell he's going, right? <laughs> don't let when you get right, on. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so well, are it, you guys. And by the way, that's a long vision. Yeah, <laughs> I bet it is. Uh, so the, 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 the solution of, of focusing on the over the, over the highway, right? Is that kind of solve the issue where they're talking about, uh, you know, you talk about uh, AV vehicles and then they hit a center outside the city and then a driver takes over, right? You don't have to switch or do that drop and hook at these drop yards outside the city, right? Is that kind of the thinking there? Cor- correct. And, and you can. So, again, we're human guided autonomy. We have drivers that are in the loop doing the things that they need to do day in and day out. So meeting the shipper, securing the load, taking care of the paperwork. Uh, and then getting out to the point on the interstate. And it's that point on the interstate. And these we call them autonomous relay network segments. Uh, and they're denoted by nodes that have a relay component to it, knows how to deal with autonomous trucks coming mm. in, trailers turning around and going into the, lo- into the local operation. Uh, but that really is kind of where the fine tuning is to say that's exactly where today's instantiation of autonomous trucks could realistically go into commercial operations sooner rather than later. And then, of course, as the progression of the technology grows and we see more and better and, you know, different scenarios where autonomy really makes commercial sense now, uh, we'll be, you know, engineering that right into this autonomous relay network. So it starts from today. There is no autonomous truck. Looking at it through that lens gives you a five to seven percent profit improvement today just by looking at it through the lens of the future. Uh, in terms of how you plan the uh, freight for autonomy, but then leading up to a 30% cost reduction, 250% improvement in in asset utilization, 30% improvement in driver utilization, you know, 66 metric tons per truck and reduced CO2 certifiable for the shipper. You know, that's all of what we're preparing for today to be ready for. Len, thank you so much. Uh, A lot of promise moving forward in the future. We appreciate it. Thanks for sharing all that with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for letting us do it. Thanks, man. Ta- check Thanks, out uh, locomation.ai for yeah, more information. Very cool stuff. Now, we were going to have a guest on Stephen Slots. He was going to be telling us about the Special Olympics truck convoy okay. that is going on November 20th. He couldn't join us. He's actually he's got so many students. He's got to train someone to drive today. He's got a CDL oh, okay. well, great. Uh, training thing going on. But November okay. 20th to 21st, he's got this truck convoy coming up for the Special Olympics over in North Carolina. And it says here, join the Compassionate Army of Truck Drivers on Saturday, November 20th at the PNC Music Pavilion in Charlotte as law enforcement escorts the truck convoy to raise awareness and funds for Special Olympics athletes and changes attitude towards people with intellectual disabilities. So go check that out. Go and support it if you like. That's Special Olympics North Carolina. Yeah. Now let's talk about something here. Now, go do it. these picks right here, these oh. right here, yeah. uh, zoom in on me. It's right here, these picks. So we were talking about these a week or two ago on the show. We were. You had started this company. It was inspired uh, somewhat by an interview we did with Pollywood, who That's took right. recycled ocean plastic, and they made outdoor, like, Adirondack chairs and those That's kind correct. of things. That's correct. Well, we said you'd come back on. 
which is on the show, but when we come back on to do a segment on Ocean 7 Music, when you actually, when you actually got some products in, and you have done that, so take it away. What do you got? What, what, what do we have here? Yeah, so we have our first shipments. I've got 18 different styles of, of picks. So the Ocean picks are here. They're, they're 0.8, uh, 1.0, and 1.5 millimeters are the different gauges that these things are on. Now, they're built, they're made uh, out of 100% ocean or ocean-bound plastics reclaimed, right? Yeah. They're, they're sourced from uh, uh, South Africa right now, and that's moving across the world, but that is they're uh, entrepreneurs that are put in business for collecting plastic out of oceans, estuaries, ocean-bound plastics, and then grinding them and put them up. They're hand-pressed and made in South Africa right now and brought over. They'll be moving into the Caribbean as well. We'll be sourcing from there uh, very soon as well. Now, we have a couple of pictures of the sourcing, too, so if you can show those, that would be great. And let me um, let me yeah, ask you, you what, so what am I looking at there, Rash? So this is a 40-foot container that a company called Ocean Plastics Technologies in Durban, South Africa, convert into micro-recycling plants. This is a South African version. There's a U.S. version that's solar-powered as well. Are these these are the Women of Waste. It's one of the first entrepreneurs. Uh, when people sponsor these containers, companies like uh, you know PepsiCo, whoever, sponsor these, uh, part of the sponsorship money goes to put people into a job, train them and, put, and give them jobs and run these companies. This is women of waste. They now own, I think, five of these containers throughout South Africa. Well, let me ask you about the product now that we actually have some. I have some in my hand right here. Yeah. So this has a... Um, so I've played guitar before. Yeah. This has a very natural feel to it. I notice it doesn't have the exact same shine or sheen you would find on like a regular pick. It has That's more right. of a natural feel to that. Is that by design? It, it, it is. And, and the best way to describe that is... is I also I have hooks. So those, sure. bear with me for a second. I have these hooks. They're ocean hooks. And now there it is right there. There's one of the ocean hooks. Now this is, well, you touched last week and when I first got these in, and it doesn't have the sheen either. The reason is this, through the process, and there's a picture of this one right there, through the process you can have that sheen and that nice feel, but here's, here's the thing, these are no good. Yeah. They came in, the angle's not right, the prototype's not right, and are not quite long enough for like an acoustic guitar. If I had put the sheens and, and done that on there, I would not be able to just put these back in the shredder, shred these up, and make a new one out of it. They would have been done and gone to a landfill. Because oh. you can't separate that sheen from the rest of that plastic. It would have been contaminated like most of the plastics that we try and do. So therefore, yeah, it's not going to have that. But it's got a great sound and great tone. So how long does it take from design to manufacturing to get, uh, to get these to your door? Okay, so this took a bit because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't be much longer than like maybe three, four months, but this was about a year. Wow. That it took it to get them. Now, let me ask you, too. Have, so have your cogs gone up? Have your cost of goods? Like, what did you initially costs think are, of costs are really, Yeah, the costs are really high. These, these are not quite for sale yet. They will yeah. be in the next couple of days because what we're trying to do is adjust this for what uh, we feel the cost will be at scale, but also uh, when things start to calm down, right? So, uh, yeah, costs are incredibly high for these things right now. Just the cost to ship these is, is more expensive than the product itself. Now... I guess the real question is, though, how do they sound? It's a guitar pick, so it doesn't sound good. Does it matter? It, it absolutely matters. Yeah, no, the feel, the playability, and the thickness and all that kind of stuff absolutely Well, introduce us matters. to your guitar here. What do you got? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, okay. I'll introduce you to my guitar. This is uh, my Martin. Okay. Uh, that I have a, a beautiful guitar, and I've got to turn away from you a little bit sure. to play it because we got to mic this. The, now, what the, weight are you using? What weight, I, I'm weight? using a uh, .8. Okay. Point eight is the thinnest that I have here, so let me see if I can get myself into into here and play a little bit here. Are you ready for me there, uh, Frazier? Okay, good.
how does so? I mean, you're the salesman here. This is your product, but how does it stack up against your other picks? I, I actually, I would say very, very well. I yeah. like them. I took them out and had them. Uh, I was around uh, this weekend to some of the guitar stores and had some local talent playing them oh. as well. And I got some videos of that stuff. I haven't produced them. Got permission from all of them yet. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, no. The 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 review is this. They feel great. They they're really easy playability because you can grip them easy. Um, and and it's kind of a buttery almost sound to them, as you could hear there. It's not quite as crisp, but when you go up another gauge, they get real sharp and attack like. Right. So yeah. good thin, good great great tone to these things. Okay. So you said they're going to be on the site soon. What are they going to retail for? What uh, what are you selling? One. Pick, That's you know, so like they'll probably be, they'll be around for a, a set of. 10, which come in actually a bag that is also repurposed material, if you can look at that as well. They come in this little bag that's built out there. So there's a, ten, a, a set of 10, different different uh, millimeter thickness. You can check that out. Is will be around 750 Okay. Yeah. Not bad. That's where those will be, which is not more. It's more expensive than your normal picks, but uh, then again, it is 100% plastic uh, from the ocean or ocean bound. Now, I like to throw mine out at the audience. Can you get these yeah. custom written on? You yet. can. Well, we will have custom. We will have custom eventually. Uh, right now, what you're looking at is there'll never be two that'll look the same because it is random plastic that is in there. It's it's the same types of plastic, but the colors. You never know what the colors you're going to get. Well, very cool. Ocean Seven Music, everyone. You're go right check it. him out if you want to get some more. Keep us. Uh, there you go, brother. Abreast of your journey over here. I'll do it. I appreciate will there be some, it. If you order some now, will you get them for Christmas or not yet? Uh, yeah, I've got 18 that you'll definitely get before Christmas, and yeah, I, I can get them sourced from South Africa now fast enough. I can get them in about seven days from okay. South Africa right now. All right, pretty cool. So if you're yeah. looking for someone for your musically inclined and uh, globally inclined guitar player of the house, Ocean yeah. 7 Music Picks. Check them out. The dude right here, you can support him with this company. Now, they probably get here even quicker for you able to fold all these shipping containers, Michael Vince. You ever just Absolutely. look at all those shipping containers? Do you, I, bet, uh, <laughs> I bet Gene Soroka does. He's looking out there at his yard as his 12 <laughs> fees start today. He's just tab going down the list, charging everybody. I know Portex Logistics would love it if they could just fold these up and take them off their chassis. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so why don't we just fold shipping containers? Well, let's talk to a company that makes foldable shipping containers, and they'll tell us a little bit about what goes on in that world. It's George um, Kokonowski, CEO at Staxon, and Richard Danderlein, CFO, over at Staxon. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks, thanks for having, having us. Now, guys, I'm looking at this. George, I'm looking at a foldable shipping container, and it seems like a pretty obvious solution. How come all the ship? How come Malcolm McLean didn't make these things folding to begin with? Actually, he tried. Oh, is that right? except that, except the technology that he went after had them collapsing to the ground, and many, many companies since then have tried to make them collapsibles. Well, with collapsibles, if you only have two or three. The widows and orphans come into play where they can't move them. They don't meet ISO standards, et cetera, et cetera. What we've done is that we went this way. They made them foldable and they go left to right. And uh, someone has done some homework there. <laughs> I would think so, so. And what's interesting to me is that no one has tried to do this. And yet the mayor's CEO a year ago came out and said, this is the ideal dream to be able to take the empties, fold them, take them off the chassis, put two, three, four, five of them, and store them and then move them five at a time, four at a time, three at a time, two at a time, and eliminate port congestion. It would also help the industry to go out for export, because right now our trains are full of empty containers, and yet we don't have containers to uh, 
to load export goods. So if you had a ship that brought in 12 containers, and by contract, if the ocean carrier had to bring out uh, 10 empties that only left two for goods, in our case, we would put five into one slot, five into another slot, and have leave over 10 slots for our exported goods. So uh, let me ask you this. Um, uh, it, it, I guess, Richard, let me ask you, Richard, this. When we're looking at the money on these things and that it saves and the efficiencies, wh- how, how is that versus the cost of this type of a container versus a standard container? Well, our, our container is certainly going to cost more than a standard container. We have uh, some additional moving parts in there. Um, but unlike existing standard ISO containers, uh, our containers have the ability to create ROI for the shippers who use them. Um, on average, it costs you know over $40,000 a year normally to reposition an empty container. Mm-hmm. So um, our containers have the ability to save you know up to 75 or 80 uh, percent operationally uh, and reduce the cost in a year for repositioning empty containers to perhaps as low as 10 or twelve thousand dollars. So um, when we go into mass production, which we have not done yet, we're still very much at the uh, beginning stage of what we're doing. Um, we anticipate that any increment in price on our container versus the standard ISO will be made up in more than short order by actually using the container. And over its life, uh, the, the company stand to save, you know, $100,000 in operational costs by folding and nesting five containers together and moving it as if it were one. Yeah, I mean, George, this seems like a no-brainer, especially when you have a trade partner like the United States with a uh, mm-hmm. with the largest trade deficit we've ever had with China in our history, right? So we are sending back a lot of empty containers. We're sending back a lot of air. Actually, we're not actually we're not even sending back enough because the ports all congested, right? Yeah, because the boats exactly. are leaving too quick without being fully um, stacked. But yeah. eventually, that problem is going to come home to roost. In China, they're not going to have enough containers, and right here, we don't have enough space. We could fold this up. It seems like a solution. In a box. So what's the challenge with getting the steamship lines to to buy in to this particular product? In February of last year, we passed all the ISO tests and got the container CSE certified. And I don't know about you guys in, I think, Nashville or Knoxville. <clears throat> we had a thing called COVID come into the play and uh, <laughs> put everything on stop. And so now in September of this year, we're finally getting out in front of people and we invite you guys to come down to the Wilmington, Delaware area to see some live demos in, in January. And we just issued on our website the ability to pre-order some containers because the response could be so large that we have to develop the proper supply chain. Yeah. One other thing, we don't intend to be the manufacturers. We want to license the technology to beneficial cargo owners, BCOs, and of course, the ocean carriers and to the textainers and the, and the other companies that lease. So we will all we want is a dollar a day per TEU as a license fee. And then we will certify manufacturers in North America and in Europe and South, Af- in South America or Africa. And so we could offload the manufacturing in China where they need containers to put goods into whereas all those other places need containers to put nothing into and send it back to China. 
Right. Let me ask you this about op- operations of these of these containers. Uh, so, one, what's the tear weight on these? Am I losing ability to to uh, utilize that uh, the the weight and cube also in these things? Does the does the operation take away any of the cubic uh, capacity of these things? So, I work very very hard to make sure that the cube inside there is like ninety nine point nine percent or ninety nine and a half percent of it. I've also maintained the floor height to be exactly the same of a regular container. Uh, we have worked very, very hard to make the container look just like a normal container. The operational, the doors opening and closing, etc., all to be the same. Richard and I come from the user end. Uh, we've both been in senior management. He's been importing stuff for a lot of companies, and I've been exporting stuff with companies. And this idea came to us as something that was needed many years ago. And so operationally, we knew that the less operational changes, the better. When we put two containers together to the computers, to all the handlers, to where the forklift operators are, it's like they're picking up one container and putting it where it needs to go. Well, absolutely. And I mean, you it's smart of you to, to factor these. Sometimes we see these tech solutions, and it's like, did this person come from the world of freight? <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. you, you see with the battery electric trucks, actually, where they, they kill all the weight, and you only have 80,000 pounds of weight on the road. If your entire battery's taking that up, nobody's going to buy that truck because they're right. buying the truck to move product, and they want that, that weight for the product. So is the full container, does this weigh around the same, too? It's not excessively it, it, heavy, it, is it's, it? It's about, it's about 20% heavier okay. than a okay. regular container, but... There are other features in here. We've also recently received a patent, not only in the United States, but internationally, where by adding some devices to our patented floor, I can tell you the weight on the floor of the container. If you put in multiple sensors, we can determine if the load has shifted. For customs people, if anything has been taken off or put put onto the container, this is just on the floor of the container, not the container itself. Yeah, no, that's tremendous stuff. That, that, yeah. That's actually really cool. So what sizes are we looking at here? Are we looking at 20s, 40s, high cubes? Where are we at? Yes. Well, listen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a member of ANSI and a re, represent, U.S. representative to TC-104, which is the, the group responsible for these standards and the like. Um, we got a little snake bit about five years ago when we were not members and new standards were evolving that we didn't know about. Mm. So we're on that. So we're totally compliant with all ISO standards, 20 foot, 40 foot, 40 foot high cube. Excellent. Nice. Uh, so how long does it take to transform it in the, the rendering? It's, mm. it's pretty quick. Well, we had a 67 year old guy fold one of these containers with nothing more than a half horsepower winch and a Marine battery in about nine minutes. One man. That's nice. So t- talk to me about moving this type of stuff. Uh, uh, so can I put all five of those and move it on uh, chassis from a yard? Yes. Do they stack well? Yes. Can I put them in the bottom of a ship and stack 10 on top of them? They're, are they fully compliant with all that? Absolutely. And Absolutely. matter of fact, one ocean carrier said, George, I really like the idea of having five of them. And I'm now going to be able to line the outside of my ship to create a barrier. You can imagine what 10 Mm. walls would be like to make the barrier around the edge of a ship. And because we are densification, listen, this thing doesn't just um, stop at the ship. It works on the ports because our ports don't have any space. Uh, What you just saw there, had you run that about another few seconds, 
you would have seen the, the, the we can gain fourfold, 5x the amount of port space. Slow steaming has gone by the boards. You can load a ship now that 79% of the containers leaving LA are empties. We can load them that much faster, get the ships out faster. At the other end, the Chinese can offload them faster. And so you've got you've got multiple steps, positive steps. And right now, slow steaming has gone bye-bye because everyone's running as fast as they can. You leave a ship two days early out of the port, it uses that much less fuel going across the ocean. Hey, I mean, look, we would love to see it. We would love if you could just do one-for-ones at the terminals and they yeah. weren't Heck yeah. stuck to box colors and all those things. Maybe some of this legislation yeah. that they're looking at now may help and may aid in all this and make the ports more modular. I know that we we need it. I like what you guys are doing. Check out Stacks. And um, before I let you go, real quick, what's next for you guys? What's uh, on the horizon? The guys from uh, the truck are going to do Sorry, George, go ahead. You know, we need the what the truck guys to come to uh, Delaware and see some demos and and bring some of your friends. Cool, very cool. There All right, go. let us know when it's happening. You know my it. email. Check it out. Um, we appreciate it, guys. Take care. Yeah, those are pretty cool. What yeah, no, I think they're awesome, man. Yeah, they just have to get you. Just have to get the buy-in from uh, the steamship lines. Just got to people to do. Yeah, that's the thing. You can't like one person can't do it. Yeah, I mean, it has a big ROI for them if they, if they oh, went it's, that it's way. huge. Yeah, no, I mean, the ports should get on board with this type of server safety and uh, the space. And, and like you said, you load five in one, one move. The real secret sauce would be getting, like, do that right in front of, like, Biden and be like, where aren't you guys <laughs> using this stuff, right? What get is them all this that voodoo? Room. What is this voodoo Let's you're doing? All right, let's talk big deal, little deal. Do it. Big deal. Little deal. All right, here's a good one, especially if you're a driver. Big deal, little deal. On Thursday, November 18th, that's coming up. That's only three days from now. Chester's Chicken locations inside of Love's Travel Stops will offer free trucker hats and a free side of mac and cheese to those who can show they have a valid CDL. That's right. They're uh, William Culpepper. He's the vice president of marketing over at Chester's. He says truck drivers are more essential than ever due to the challenges brought on by the global pandemic. We rely on them to deliver critical goods, fuel, food, medicine, vaccines, etc., that uh, we've become so accustomed to in our daily lives. When the supply chain was disrupted, truckers and the important work they performed were rightfully applauded. We established that we may hope to become an annual holiday. Well, they want this to become an annual holiday. Truckers giving to praise and thank truck drivers for all they do, including the acknowledgement that many are far away from their families. So what do you think? Truckers giving and the free truckers hat. Big deal, little deal. Here's the thing. I want one of those hats, and I love mac and cheese. Big deal, big deal right there. Truckers Thanksgiving, Truckers. even bigger idea. I hope more people jump on board and they're giving away all kinds of free things to these uh, fine women and gentlemen across our country as they uh, keep things moving and get me my frozen turkey. Truckers Giving. Amen. I like it. I love oh, it. I think it's a big deal. I, all the way around, it's a big right. deal. I think friend. it's a little deal until it becomes a big deal. All right. Like until people actually adopt it. We'll see how it goes this year. <laughs> all right. Yeah, here. Okay. Here's a big deal, little deal for all you, right. my friend. Uh, a trucker on Reddit posted his order in line for a shower at a Saskatoon travel stop. I think we have this right here. There it is. There are, were 587 other patrons waiting ahead of him. I think that's like five more than the entire population of Saskatoon. Why you Big deal or little deal? Why you steal? He just steps on my jokes before we even get Because it was a good one, so I figured okay. I'd steal it before you said it. Stole it right from me. All right, so what's going on? 
going on? There's 587 <laughs> people waiting to get in line at a truck stop in Saskatoon yeah, to, for to a shower. shower. To take a shower. Wow. You're 587th in line, dude. Bad deal. Yeah, that is. I mean, it's a big deal for a lot of reasons. I mean, we talk about the turnover rate in trucking, right? That's at 100%. Yeah. A lot of that's lifestyle driven, right? They're either sure waiting is. at a dock and they're not getting paid. Sure or it is. Just to have the dignity of taking a shower, you got to wait behind 587 people. Now, I asked drivers online, I said, is this typical? And they said, not necessarily 587 people, but that particular truck stop. And a lot of them in Canada, they said, I don't know what regulation there is, but they don't let drivers, they, they don't build truck stops for drivers there. So oh, they're really? even worse than we are. Oh, no kidding. States. Wow. Okay. I figured it was just because it was in the middle. I would say, of... yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, yeah, who wants is. to wait? Would you want to wait in a line of 600 people before you take a shower before no, work? No. Kidding not, me? I mean, I, I don't would... even like waiting behind one of my kids. Yeah, no, neither do I. But if we were a team traveling across, I would want you to wait if you needed to take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of those foldable containers, big deal, little deal. Eric Coolish reports, cargo congestion at the Port of Savannah is so severe now. Yeah. And this is Port of Savannah, by the way. 83 ships at anchor were in the Port of L.A. on Friday, oh, setting no a kidding. new record. So the record was broke twi- twice. It went to 81, went down to 79. Now back at back 83. We'll see how it is this week. But now on the other side where everyone goes, why don't you just bring the boats everywhere else? Well, Port yeah. of Savannah is having trouble, too. So much so that they, they have so much container volume, they have to put them over at the airport. Bad sign, big deal, little deal. Um, yeah, no, it's obviously, I, I think it's obviously that, it, that it's a big deal, that we have to do this one, and I think it's a big deal that, uh, you know, uh, so hope, hopefully this isn't just a solution uh, that is for the moment, and we go back and think, oh, everything's better, we need to figure yeah. out ways, and hopefully this brings uh, uh, ideas and efficiencies into the future to avoid this type of stuff. It's going to an airport there, and I think they're bringing some into a rail yard, like 500,000 spaces for, for TEUs, I think they're looking at, is eventually, as they build this out. Okay. I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal. Well, at least they're not waiting for it to like mount up, too. At least they're getting ahead of it. Yeah, trying to get ahead of it. <clears throat> so here's a big deal, a uh, little deal for you. A close call in Minneapolis left this uh, motorcycle mangled. I think we got a picture of this thing underneath this wow. truck right here. The Carver County says, uh, you know, that th- on, uh, what was it, County Road 11 and Highway 20, uh, 2000 or 212, just outside of City of Carver, the bridge is currently closed or was at this time, but they're investigating to find out what happened. It's a the big deal, little. Tell me? But here's the. <laughs> here, they, they, there's a. Tr- <laughs> Dude, it's a big deal. Little the guy walked away with uh, only okay. only scratches. So what? This guy fell off his motorcycle on yeah. Highway Two Twelve, but That's they're okay. Right. They're All right, okay. in the interest of time, I'm going to say that that was a little deal because I think it's a big deal. That this guy got away. Hey, let's take a look at look at let's take a look at this video. Play this video right here of of this thing. Is this is this a big deal? If they were on this motorcycle, they wouldn't have had to worry about it. Look at this guy zooming around like a Power Ranger. <laughs> On his thing, this is a limited edition hover bike. It is the X Turismo. It's uh, it's coming out. It's going to make you an icon of air mobility. It says this vehicle is uh, only six hundred and eighty thousand um, dollars. It's a Tokyo-based drone company that's building these things. So they're not just trying to deliver your pizza anymore, which you think is improbable. Now they're trying to deliver you it to is. the beach right here with the X Turismo. Um, they said it's going to be adopted in a wide range of fields, sure. other than just flexing on the beach. Uh, what yeah. do you think? Big deal, little deal. 
Um, I think it's a big deal for CGI animation. It looks really nice. Uh, I think you would agree with me. It's a little deal if you watch the actual footage of the state On the flying. racetrack? Yeah. Where it just kind of like lifted. It just hovered a little bit? Yeah, it just hovered like 10 feet in the air. It just got like 10 feet off the ground. <laughs> yeah, so you're not putting it. a $680,000. It was loud, too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was incredibly loud. <laughs> it was like singing a blow dryer to your ear. Yeah, you it was like right on your ear. <laughs> hey, we'll we'll start out tomorrow. Freightways.com slash WTT. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Duna. That's D-O-O. And you are finding with Vincent the Dude. Find the show where we get podcasts. Just look up What the Truck or download the Freight Waves TV app. Tell them how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere.